Good morning, everybody. It is good to see you. It's good to be back. We were in uh, Colorado for eight days. It was 50 degrees there in the mornings. Just thought I'd put that out there. Yeah, it was, it was nice. We, um, we had a very nice time. We took uh, six of the kids and we biked down Vail Pass, which is like 16 miles downhill. Didn't lose a child. Counted at the top, counted at the bottom. Thank you. Uh, brought home different children than we took, but with same no, no same number. Um, and uh, just had a really good time. After we were a couple of days there, we uh, kind of backcountry did a cross over to Colorado Springs and spent um, a couple of days with Lou and Therese Engel, which is always rich. Uh, such a fun time with them. Um, Lou is working on something. Nobody's talked about this publicly yet, I don't think, so this is, if I'm not supposed to say this, sorry, Lou, um, but we're saying it anyway. Colorado is poised very similarly to Kansas in relation to the ending of Roe v. Wade, where other states have, have had trigger laws that have banned abortion following the, the ending of Roe v. Wade. You know, Kansas is not there yet, and the value of them both amendment is, is a big deal. Um, Colorado has actually doubled down, and they're saying, hey, we're a sanctuary state. You come here. We'll, uh, if you're trying to kill your child, thank you. I look like I was flustered there. Uh, if you're trying to kill your child, we, we can do it here. So they have really doubled down on this. And this, of course, has been Lou's battle for 18 years. And so to be living in Colorado, and this happened in his, right in his own home state, he is burdened about this. And he is fired up. I know it's, some of you have a hard time imagining Lou not fired up, but he's especially fired up about this. So we met with some pastors while we were out there. We talked a little bit about it. And Lou is calling the state of Colorado on October 8th to a gathering in Colorado Springs called Communion Colorado. And uh, his thought is we don't have the equity to pray against this because we don't have the unity that we, ha that we need in order to do it as a church body or as a, as a body of believers. So he's calling the Church of Colorado to gather. There's about an 8,000 seater there where they're going to meet and serve communion and repent before one another and then believe that they're going to step forward with a new authority in prayer regarding the life issue. And I just love that he is starting in this place. I just, I think it's important. So that's October 8th. And, uh, you know, I, it's, it's pondered. It's, I've pondered it in my heart. If we win this uh, amendment, the value them both amendment, what equity we might have and how we might even lend strength to Colorado in prayer. And so October 8th, you may want to put that on your calendar. Some may, may want to go out to that. Uh, some of you, you have any more information? No, that's all the information that exists about it other than it's in Colorado Springs and, and the venue has been nailed. But uh, we'll have more information as we go. Um, other announcement real quick. Backyard Bible, Backyard Family Bible Camp is going to be postponed for a couple of weeks. Reason being, um, uh, the venue we were going to use, is there's just a ton of construction there right now, and it just doesn't seem like a safe place to run around with a bunch of little kids. And between that and the heat, we just, we're going to bump it back a couple weeks. What it will be is a Thursday evening, all-church family worship night geared towards kids, but it's just going to be fun for everybody. And then on Friday, we'll go from about 1 till into the evening with your children and families joining in the evening. So we'll have, an, uh, hopefully... A facility that we can talk about next week with a specific date. So good to be back. So grateful for Jeff and Sally who, who just taught so well while I was been gone. 
uh, and we are glad to have you back. We left Saturday night to come back, and uh, word of wisdom, when leaving from Colorado and heading east, uh, probably saying something like, we'll find a hotel room on the way, not a good idea. That's like a total rookie mistake. And so uh, Colby sold out, which means both rooms, uh, and then... Russell, the hotel room in Russell was, and as we, we had to drive all the way to Salina. We got in uh, Salina about two in the morning, and so got up early the next morning and, and drove on in, but was able to listen to Sally on the way in and Jeff on the way out. It was so good. Hello to our dear friends, Kristen and Steve Hickey, and Steve's new lungs. We've not met your lungs. We've met Steve, but we've not met your lungs. So Steve, for those of you that are new, Steve and Kristen have been with us from the very beginning, but they uh, moved to Alaska, and he uh, has had a lung transplant in um, Phoenix, and so they've been in Phoenix. This is his first venture off the planet of Phoenix, and so we are so glad to see you. Do not rush him later, okay? He's trying to stay healthy, and we're going to try and keep him at an arm's distance, but we hug you from afar, and we are so glad to see you this much of your face. That's, a, that's fine. That's enough. We're glad to see what we get. We're glad to have you. So as I drove back and I'm listening to Sally speak, okay, last week, something she said struck me really hard. And I'm going to talk about that, but I'm going to back step. If you, if you want to give this morning, we have a, a QR code. You can point your camera at that. I'm sorry. Uh, totally spaced that. You can point your camera at that. It'll bring up a page. You can give in the bucket out in the foyer. Either way works. Wanted to mention that. So I'm driving back, and Sally is speaking, and I'm not going to try the accent. Don't worry, Sally. Uh, I know it's terribly endearing, isn't it, when people imitate your accent? Um, it's, uh, I get it. I get it. From North Dakota. Every time you tell people you're from North Dakota, have you seen Fargo? I lived Fargo. I don't need to see Fargo. So uh, I don't need to think about that. But I won't do the accent. But what she said was, we are all deep. We're all deep. Most of us people think of spiritual depth as something that is achieved by other people, but probably is out of our range. Maybe we're too broken, or we're too shallow, or we're too apathetic, but we'll never get there. We know deep people. We don't think we're one of them. It's a little bit like Idaho. We believe in Idaho. Don't really go to Idaho. Don't know if we even could go to Idaho. She is right. Idaho exists, and we are all deep. You all have a place in your soul that has deep, deep needs, and you're not thinking about it doesn't mean that those needs get met. Just because you're not focused on it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Just because I don't think about Idaho doesn't mean Idaho's not there. And just because you don't think about being deep doesn't mean you are. It just means those places never get touched. Now, we may not all have the same language for those things, but we all have the same longings and needs. And those needs manifest in different ways. But hear me, you are not simplistic. You are not shallow. You might just be sedated. There's a punk band named the Ramones that had a song. Some of you going, what kind of church did I just wander into? The pastor's dropping lines from the Ramones. The Ramones had a great song called I want to be sedated. Who knew that? Yes, my people. Okay. I want to be sedated. 
There are a lot of people singing that song today, even if they've never heard it. You ever been sedated? For real? Happened to me one time. They did a scope down, down my throat. I was petrified. I was like irrationally scared of this. This is not a difficult procedure. Like people do this every day, but I was like convinced this was the end. And uh, it didn't help that I was wearing a watch that belonged to a friend that had a near-death experience. And as they put me under, the lady said, nice watch. And as it's going black, I'm thinking, my friend almost died. And I was gone. You know what I discovered about sedation? Sedation is your friend. Like, that's a great feeling. And you don't always want to come out of it. We are not shallow, but often we are sedated. And the question before us is, do we want to wake up? Because when you wake up, you realize, I'm hungry. Like I've got needs that I didn't have or I wasn't aware of when I was sedated. You had them, you just didn't know it. We are far more motivated by comfort and sedation than we are by our calling and the hungers that God has put in us. And the Lord is calling us to wake up out of that sedation. Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, he says, so then, let us not sleep, but let us, as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. You can almost hear the Thessalonians. What's wrong with the way I'm living? Look at them. They're all asleep. He goes, yeah, they are not the measurement by which you should become made comfortable. Just because somebody else is lethargic doesn't mean you should go, I'm a little less lethargic than them. Doesn't justify how we live. Even in the age of the Thessalonican church, people were gauging their spirituality by others. I might be asleep, but I'm a light sleeper. They're rocked out. Paul was warning them against the shallow life of Christianity that you can enter into without any vigilance or any preparation, just enough oil in your life for normal life, but not enough for when life gets hard. And you're sedated. And you think, I'm okay. And you might be coasting downhill. I'm going to be 55 next month. I've discovered life is not all downhill. There are some serious climbs. And you can't always tell when they're coming. One of my favorite cars that I've ever owned, I had this old Audi 5000S that looked like it had been styled by a German with a straight edge. Okay, it's like there wasn't a rounded edge on this everything. Oh, oh, car. There you go. And uh, it had 225,000 miles on the broken odometer when I got it. And I drove it forever. So heaven only knows how many miles this car had on it. And uh, there you could buy them for almost peanuts because 60 Minutes had done this hatchet job on the Audi 5000 because they were accused of having unintended acceleration. I owned this car. It did not have unintended acceleration. It barely had intended seller acceleration. <laughs> like you could, be, you could go about 70, but you had to plan for it for days. But as this car got older and it got more and more worn, I discovered that it was kind of a flatland car. We lived in East Tennessee and in the, the edge of town where we lived, there was a, a mountain called Bays Mountain. And Bays Mountain was a very tall ridge that kind of poked into the southwest corner of the state, and, or the, of the city. And so if you were on the north or the east or, or the south side, you were okay. But if you were over on the west side and you had to get to the south side, you had to go over Bays Mountain. That Audi was awesome. 
unless you had to go over Bay's Mountain. It just didn't have it in it. Like, the spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. And so I found myself taking massive detours in town just to not go over Bay's Mountain the last year or two that I drove it. Because it just wasn't, it just didn't have what it took to get there. There are things in your life that are going to require more horsepower, more oil, more depth than you are able to develop when you are sedated. That are only developed when you are working that muscle of going deep with the Lord. And the sad thing is you can coast for a while on the flat line and you feel fine. It's going good. But then you hit a challenge, something happens, you lose a job, you lose a family member, you find out somebody who you thought was happy with you, is angry with you, and you're beginning to gain altitude, and you realize, I don't have what it takes to go over this. And the worst part is, I thought I did. Nobody thinks of themselves as spiritually asleep or sedated any more than, you're just extremely comfortable. I feel like the last two years, the pandemic, political chaos, social chaos, has caused people to take probably a healthy step back and re-examine their lives and how they spend their time and what they do and what they're involved in and how much of how I do things is beneficial and was this a good return on my investment? And all of those are important questions that I think has largely been good, but along with those questions come the corresponding potential of never actually engaging again. We're not really deconstructing our faith, but we've deconstructed our drive for involvement with things and with worship and with people and the intentionality of relationships. That spirit of uninvolvement affects even how and when and if we gather. It affects how and when and if we give sacrificially. It affects how and when we even get oil that Sally and Jeff were talking about. The fullness of life and the abundance of oil lies somewhere beyond your comfort zone and your sedation. Sally told us last week, being awakened or getting oil is related to the idea of gathering, of being together. And I'm so excited about this new small group. It's a new opportunity to grow deep and, and, and strengthen that muscle. Because while we get oil on our own, we can't get oil on our own. Meaning we get our own oil, nobody can get it for you, but you really can't get as much as you can by yourself. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes for growth of the body and for the building up of itself in love. In other words, you only become all you can become in conjunction with the rest of the body. Lone Ranger Christianity is not a thing. It's just not. And in the past couple of years, as people have many times by necessity, had to withdraw to themselves, we've gotten into this idea that, ah, you know what, it's not bad. In my pajamas? Fine line between church and sedation. 
Like I've just leaned back. I haven't, I haven't actually dove into it and done the work that I might have done before it all hit because, boy, this is comfortable. And we are nearly comfortable unto death. Heaven forbid we hit another long uphill haul. Without walking in community with one another and taking those extra steps, we literally become half the person that we could be. It was our 33rd anniversary last week. And, uh, you know, those of you that have been married a while, especially like you snap over a certain point where you've been married longer than you existed before you were married, and you kind of don't even remember that person, that's probably good, Okay? Because I look back at who I was, and some of you are like, well, look at what you are now. Oh, I was worse. Like the train wreck that I would have, without, without walking in community with someone over time. Now, that doesn't have to be a marriage relationship. You can be single and grow, but it doesn't happen on your own. If oil equals anointing, and anointing means power to endure and power to execute things, we can endure and execute far more as a group in community than we ever will as individuals. Kelsey and I had coffee with uh, Dwayne and Jen Roberts this week, and uh, just talking through some things and, and wrestling with this need for community and this need for connection with others. And uh, you understand, it's Dwayne and Jen who have had tremendous platform ministries for the past 15 years. And, you know, I, Kelsey and I both are we're teachers. Kelsey, Kelsey is sitting on a panel at City Church this morning where they're talking about the value of the Both Amendment. We are geared for this kind of thing, and we are realizing how painfully inadequate it is to forming well-rounded, deep believers. Dwayne pointed this out. He says, look at the church in Corinthians. I'd never seen this before. He said, the church in Corinthians had the deepest teaching team that we find in the New Testament. It was such a deep team of teachers that people had their favorites. They'd come to church and go, oh, my guy's preaching. One says, I follow Paul. One says, I follow Apollos. Or, you know, he's, he's like, they were so teacher-centric that they had teams and merchandise, Okay. Team Paul, Team Apollos. That's not in the Bible. I made that part up. But it's possible. You get the idea, okay? They were geared towards the, the, the individual standing up front teaching them. And later, Paul tells him in 1 Corinthians 4.15, for you have countless guides. Other versions say you have 10,000 teachers. You do not have many fathers. You've got a ton of people that can stand up in front and preach. You don't have many people that can speak into your life at a one-to-one -one level like a father. And he said, that's your problem. That's where the lack is. We only really can pursue the oil that we, we need to get for ourselves. We can really only pursue it in relationship with other people that are helping us do it. Now, last week, as I'm driving back and I'm listening to Sally, okay, uh, I, I, was, I was listening to her and I, when I heard her say, I see the clock, I'm like, she sees the clock because I've been there and I understand why she did what she did and she was being very gracious, okay? But it reminded me of, I was stuck in the Denver airport one time 
How many of you have not been stuck in the Denver airport? There's fewer, okay? It's just a way of life, isn't it? And uh, so we're stuck in the Denver airport one time, and uh, I actually don't mind being stuck in the airport for a while because I like to people watch, and there's no better place in the airport. Play this game when you go to the airport. Sit there and look around and realize every person in the airport got up that morning and said, this is what I'll wear on an airplane. It's the funniest game. He's like, you made that choice. Anyway, the... I'm, I'm at the airport, and I'm, I'm sitting by the, the automatic, you know, the, the sidewalk, and it's going. It's going fast, and people are standing on it, and I'm like, are you really that tired? Other people are walking on it, but all of a sudden, I see a guy who is apparently trying to catch a flight from somewhere, and he's in a very nice suit. He's carrying an old-school hard, brief, you know, hard briefcase, and he is on that sidewalk, and he is running. He's moving, man. I mean, he's probably running 15 miles an hour. Sidewalk's maybe doing 10 for an aggregate of 25 miles an hour. He's cooking. And as I'm watching him, he gets to the end of the sidewalk, spread eagle through the air, like briefcase opens. And as I'm, and as I'm listening to Sally, that was the picture in my mind. She got to the end of because she was cruising. And she had a lot of good things to say. And so as I... As I thought about what I wanted to talk about, and I, I saw her notes, I'm like, Sally, what, would, you, would you come? I want her to actually finish out that section of her message, because it ties in well with this, and, uh, it, and originally, I'm like, well, I need to have her finish that, but I, what I didn't want to do is, you know, pat her on the head and say, finish your little thing. I just wanted to tie it in, because it really is, I believe, the word of the Lord for us. So, Sally, will you take us home here? I really like your message. I'm kind of into it. Oh, I appreciate that, but I'm out of notes. But you're done? Yeah, I'm done. Okay. Uh, thanks, Randy, so much uh, for just giving me the opportunity to, well, firstly, share last week. That was a lot of fun. Uh, if you want to throw up the slide number 19, thank you, Josiah. Um, just wanted to welcome the speckers here this morning. They've come some of my friends, Kim and Steve, let's welcome them. And um, I met Kim, we have this joke in some circles that all roads lead back to Kim Specker because she just knows all these different people, but uh, anyway, it's just fun to have you here. We met back in 2015 and then reconnected just kind of more recently and it means a lot that you came to support today, so glad that you both are here. Um, <clears throat> You are such a good preacher, Randy. I so enjoy you, you sharing. Isn't he so gifted? The stories, the visuals. Oh, I was really enjoying it. Thank you for letting me finish. And it was a bit of a sprint. And so, um, do you guys remember our little friends from last week? I, I have these silly little people on each slide because I was sharing last week that sometimes we can get so uptight in the intensity of the intensity of the intensity that we just need to see some little people and remember that we really are all made from dust, that God breathed into dirt and brought us forth. And so we get to kind of giggle our way through this very serious, sobering thing called life. But these little characters kind of help us today. So um, last week I kind of prefaced it with, I wanted to double click on a couple of points that um, Jeff had made around getting oil. And he gave us five ways. And the first one was pray. The second one was, <clears throat> say again, repent. Oh, first one was repent. 
Second one was pray, study, worship, and gather. And I was double clicking on uh, pray, and that's where we started to talk about the different layers of who we are. I was quoting Eldridge. I wanna recommend that book again to you, Resilient. It's profound. It'll teach you all kinds of things about how to wake up, right, Randy? Just waking up on the inside and building resiliency on the inside so that we have a little bit of fortitude when the shaking keeps shaking and we can bounce back and actually walk forward with joy. That's God's desire for us. So I wanna plug that book again. And then secondly, I wanted to double click on his point five, which was gathering. And Randy, you did such a good job. I mean, you stole half of my scriptures that I was gonna talk about with that. Yeah, I will, I will. We're just gonna go for it. But I presented us with a thought last week that Jeff had said two weeks ago now, oil can't be shared, right? So when we looked at the parable in Matthew 25, we see that five had oil and five didn't have oil. And when the bridegroom came, the five who didn't have oil were wanting oil from the five who had it. But the five who had it said, I'm really sorry, I can't share it with you, okay? So I left us with this thought, and this is the thought. If oil can't be shared, how do we gather it together? Because we can, right? How does our being together, how does our relating together, our relationships within this body, within your personal families, I know there are different visitors from different church families here today, how does our connections with one another help us? How does this horizontal provoke the vertical? How does the vertical provoke the horizontal? They're so intricately and intimately related, aren't they? And we know that. And so um, this is the question, how do we get oil together? And there's a whole bunch of ways that we can get oil together. I'm gonna just suggest a few ideas this morning um, based obviously in scripture. And my hope is, is that we as a church body continue to unpack these ideas of what does it, what does it mean to be together? as a people, right? And so, throw up the next slide, we were invited, aren't these characters so cute, you guys? They've just gotta make you giggle. Look at the lady in the middle, she's excited. Hebrews 10.25, we're familiar with this scripture. Jeff quoted it. It says, do not forsake the gathering together, even more so as you see the day approaching, okay? Encourage one another. So even as the, the momentum of the end of days begins to ramp up, as things begin to get harder, as, as, as pain uh, begins to increase on the earth, Paul or whoever wrote Hebrews, maybe it was Lydia, I like to think it was a woman who wrote Hebrews, let me throw out something controversial. Who's with me on that one? All right, I got some takers. Carla, I know, I like you, right? So whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, um, their invitation is, as it gets more difficult, even more so find one another and fight. Fight for this and figure it out and discover what it means to genuinely relate to one another. I wanna suggest one simple thing, um, and I spoke a little bit about this last week, Matthew 9, 36. It's the next slide. 
Um, I'm just gonna open it up and read it. I love this scripture in Matthew 9. It's so beautiful. It's all about Jesus, of course. And Jesus is with the people. And it says, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore beseech or ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. Many of you in our body already do this so beautifully. And I know those of you who are visiting do this too. You have your eyes opened, right? I think that's where it starts. I think that's where kind of waking up, right? When, when the alarm goes off, and you begin your day, what is necessary for beginning your day? You open your eyes, right? It's the first thing that you do to start your day. Think about it, right? When the alarm goes off, you're not walking around your house. Well, some of us are walking around the house with our eyes half open, for sure. But we need our sight to move forward in a really simple way. So I'm suggesting in this moment that we remember Jesus and how he continually looked at people. And I wonder this morning whether this isn't a beautiful invitation for us to, as we come into gathering moments, whether it be gathering as a small group or gathering here on a Sunday or gathering with friends from the bridge during the week, that you would ask Jesus, Jesus, open my eyes to really see people today. Maybe see somebody I've not met before. We have these amazing name tags Mine is under my thing. Thank you so much, Dave, every time you do that. It's wonderful, our name tags. We have name tags, and so I want to encourage us, why not step beyond the ones that you already know and look at each other, right? Look at each other. Um, Kim knows what I'm talking about when I say this, but in the world of brain science, there's such powerful connection as we lock eyes with one another, right? And so we're not gonna go deeply into that, but if you're curious about how brain science and theology meet and how the brain begins to, to change and work and the role that the brain has in relational connection, start to Google things and start to learn about what it does when you look at people. The other day I was in the grocery store and I'm going through the line and have you ever noticed that when you stop and you look at the person's name tag and you say, hi Ted, and you look at them in their eyes, what they do, sometimes they do this thing with their face. Have you ever seen that? It's like, oh, you are seeing me. I am seen in this moment. There is right there the power of Jesus boofing out of your eyes in that moment. Right? I know I'm intense, but that's the way that it works though. You get to look at people, you get to look at your kids, you get to look at your spouse. We get to look at one another in the bridge community and really see one another. Um, I wanna suggest a few scriptures, one that Randy just brought out, which was Ephesians 4.15. Then we've got, we know about 1 Corinthians 12 which is all about Paul talking about the body. He's likening this group of people in this room to his literal hands and his feet. And I don't know about you, but like when I grew up in church and I'd learn about that, you kind of become dull to it as you grow up. 
But that is scandalous that he would call us his body. Like that's kind of a holy thing to be walking out, right? And so it's this beautiful passage where Paul is inviting us to, to understand several things, that the fingy can't do what the ear can do, can't do what the nose can do, that we would never say to the nose, I have no need of you. Because how would you smell without the nose, right? And so it's this beauty of the diversity. And so even today, as we're thinking about, I almost have a better perspective on you guys than you guys have of you guys in this moment. But just look around, like turn around right now, look around. This is the body, this is an expression of the body, right? And we're hopeful that we're gonna maybe sit differently in days to come so you can see and eyeball each other a little bit more, right? Sometimes rows don't help us really know each other, right? And so there's the beauty of the body. What if we started to discover, oh my goodness, Elias, He's an ear in the body. I so appreciate Elias because he listens. Paige, she definitely has some things to say, right? <laughs> She's, I'm just totally joking with you. I'm only joking because I know them and I know that each of them, even within their marriage, bring very different things to our church community. And when we know one another, we can cherish one another and invite one another closer, okay? And then we know 1 Corinthians 14, 26, says, what then, brothers or sisters, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for the building up. So I see here again, Paul inviting the body to discover who they are for the point of connection and for the point of function, okay? Some people are really big on connection, but they don't really function. Others are just all about what can you do, but everybody is disconnected. But who knows that when we feel that connection, when we feel that love, firstly from the Father and then from one another, we start to just explode out of who we are. We start to operate in our fullness when we feel secured, right? This is the methodology or the system of the gospel of Jesus. And so I'm gonna introduce us to a, a really important word in scripture. And again, some of you might know this word, so pop up the next slide. And the word is, is hesed. And I know Kim's probably grinning too because she's thought lots about this word and maybe others of you have as well. I wanna introduce you to this word and I would love in the weeks to come that we could revisit this word randomly. You can somehow weave it into every message somehow. I dare you, Randy, that'd be fun. Just kidding. But this is such a cool word and I wanna to explain to you what this is, okay? I'm, I'm referencing some notes that my friend John Shirley put together. He um, is a pastor in the Gathering Network, which is a network of churches in Kansas City. Deeply respect this dude. And so I'm, rep I'm uh, referencing some of his notes, okay? So the word has said, occurs 250 times in the Old Testament, okay? In different versions of the Bible, you may see it translated as mercy or kindness, goodness, faithfulness, steadfast love, loyal love, loving kindness. Hesed is a word that describes the dynamic depth and complexity of the covenant of God that he makes with us, his people. It describes what God carries in his heart 
for us, the life he is offering to give us and the fullness of his character that undergirds his determination. Oh, isn't that good? Thanks, John Shirley, I'm quoting you directly. It's so powerful, okay? Lamentations 3, 22 to 23 says, the steadfast love, you guys know this scripture perhaps, the hesed of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning, great is your faithfulness, right? So beautiful. We see in in James 2 verse 13, mercy triumphs over judgment. This again has said, this loving kindness or loyal love that God projects toward us, that does something in us that no other kind of love can do. It securely attaches us to the Father in a way that causes us to be really, really, really different throughout our lives. What would that look like as a church family, as a body of believers, if we started to consider some of these ideas together? That God wanted to first establish, has said in us, and then create communities where people gave away that kind of gift to each other. Not just a, gosh, I gotta love you out of compulsion because that's what you do as a Christian, right? How many feel guilted at to love sometimes, right? Or, gosh, better do it, or I'm ticked off, or, or even kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. Or maybe for some of us, as Randy just mentioned, we're so asleep that we don't even recognize this. The gift that God gives us in an extraordinary kind of love that we get to give others, right? That kind of love that allows you to undo your your tight jeans, right? And just breathe out. The kind of love that allows you to just relax and be yourself with each other rather than thinking, oh, what am I gonna say next? Or what are they gonna think? Or if I say this, am I gonna be rejected? Or how would this appear? The kind of love that allows second guessing to just leave a community. What would that look like? That's kind of a cool vision that I believe Jesus sets forth for us in scripture through the New Testament writers. That that God has desired from the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of scripture to love us in a fearless kind of way, establish us to him so that we can actually connect with one another. You wanna throw up the next one? So I like this little question. Again, we've got two little friends at the top. As Christians or little Christ, right? It means that we are little anointed ones. Randy just mentioned that. To be anointed is to have power set on you for a particular purpose. We have been smeared with oil. Power has been set on our hearts so that we can be so connected to Jesus and so we can actually have non-anxious, joy-filled connections with one another. That is so exciting. What does this mean for our attachments to Jesus? When you think about, when you think about relating to God, maybe you've not considered this before. 
right? Maybe you've just kind of, oh, great, he solved this, the sin issue for me, but you've not considered that everything about the way that he loves you alters the way that you relate to him. Isn't that cool? He rewrites the inner places of our relational pathways in our mind and in our hearts. It's profound. And again, that's for an entirely different message, but this is just a little introduction on this thought of said, this thought of loving kindness being bestowed on us and, and considering again, as we, as we move with the Spirit as a body, what would God say to us in this moment? And then what does this mean to our attachments to others? I know that when we, Tozer says that the most important thing about a person is what they think about when they think about God. That's Tozer, right? I'm gonna quote something. I think one of the second most important things about a person is what they think about when they think about church, to be honest, right? How do you feel about connecting with others in this walk of faith? It's something to consider. All right, we're gonna wrap this up right now. And what we're gonna do is we are going to turn to our neighbor, right? And we're just gonna have a little moment where we answer a couple of these questions, okay? That is not the question that I had on my updated slide. <laughs> okay, that is fine. Nix those questions, you can take that off. I don't know, it must not have updated. So the question, the two questions that I have for you today is in the bridge community or in the faith community that you're a part of, what is one need that you have? When you show up, whether it be to a small group or a gathering on Sunday, what is a need that you bring in your heart? That's the first question. Then the second question is, what is one thing that you can bring this community? Something that God has put in you. Maybe it's your infectious laughter. Maybe it's your desire to pour into the next generation. Maybe it's your desire to cook or open up your home or whatever it looks like. What is something that you are wanting to, to bring? So what's a need and what do you wanna bring? And so we're just gonna spend a few minutes just talking and I, I totally respect that there are people here from other bodies, that's fine. We can just talk together about need and about what we wanna bring. And then I'd love our worship team to just come up after we've done that. And then I'd love to open it up for prayer. Okay, so we're gonna have a little moment to receive some prayer after we've done that. And I wanna invite people to receive prayer around these ideas of connection. Maybe you have a painful relationship right now in your life that you just really need a brother or sister to stand alongside of you and pray with you for. Maybe you, you're asking Jesus to give you more courage, that he's inviting you to kind of step out and make new connections with people, but you're really terrified. You've lived a certain way your whole life and you're like, I'm done. I wanna have joy-filled relationships. I don't know what to do. We would love to just stand with you and pray with you. So, um, we're just gonna turn to our neighbor. I know you all look very enthused to do this. <laughs> and you can just apply this to however you want. Just uh, connect around need and around what you wanna bring for the next like few minutes.
gone too far. Okay. Eh. Hello, everybody. I hear a lot of laughing, which is wonderful. Laughing and rigorous conversation. So we just want to, we just really want to close this moment with an opportunity to just sit if you want to just listen to the Lord or if you're needing some prayer. Um, I know Randy, Grenzes, myself, others will, will happily pray for you. Um, otherwise, we're just going to end just receiving from the Lord, like just asking him to help us with this thing called church, <laughs> right? This thing called church. And, and I just, I really believe that there's so much hope, right? There's so much hope because there's so much grace because Jesus is really longing for the nations to come to him, right? So we're a little bit of part of that story. So Jesus, thanks so much for each heart in this room. And Lord, we just um, thank you, Father, that over these past few weeks, we've been on a journey of discovery with one another, an invitation to awaken from our inebriated state and just 
be invited into new conversations with you. And so we're very grateful for that. We're very grateful for themes and kind of building blocks of truth that you're releasing upon our heart, God. You're so with us. And so we just invite you, knowing that every person is a minister of the Gospel in this room. Everyone has something to bring. We just invite you, Counselor, Spirit of Might, Spirit of Peace, to come upon our hearts. And if you desire to bring about some healing to hearts this morning, would you do it? If you desire to bring about just nuggets of revelatory truth upon our hearts, would you do it? You're so good in leading your people, Spirit of God. Would you help us to take risks this morning? So if you wanna, again, we're just gonna finish off the service, uh, just receiving from the Lord. And if you want prayer, you know, feel free to come up the front or even put up your hand in your seat and we'll just come and pray with you. Totally low key. But let's just finish off singing to the Lord and maybe allowing some of these truths just to settle down just a little bit in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. And the one who knows me best is the
Have a great week. God bless you. The one the Father loves and mercy has defeated all my shame. I am your beloved, the one with your blood and on your No, no.